this is actually our third correction of at least 5% this year. Remember, most years you see three to four 5% corrections. Most years you see one to two 10% corrections. We got one 10% correction earlier this year in February. We corrected right around 10.5%, give or take. Uh, so, you know, it is quite normal, even though it feels abnormal. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Hello, Ryan. Hey, John. How you doing today? I'm pretty well, thanks. How are you? Doing well. We're half October, middle of October. We made it through half the month, and volatility has finally showed up, as I know we're going to focus on. So, yeah, we got a lot to discuss today. Should be a fun one. Absolutely. I think today's primary focus should certainly be first and foremost last week's market volatility. Also, like to address some of the inflation concerns out there, and then finally we'll talk about the most important aspect in fundamental investing. I believe is earnings, and we'll get to hear corporate earnings over the next several weeks. So that's an exciting time. But I also want to address uh, some commonalities that you and I share. You know, it dawned on me this weekend that uh, not only are Ryan and I market junkies, Ryan and Emily and Linda and I each celebrated wedding anniversaries yesterday. So October 14th, we share the same wedding anniversary. So congratulations to you guys. Well, thank you, John. The same to you. Yeah, we hit 12 years. It's been um, a volatile ride, as we're probably going to talk about next year, <laughs> but with three kids and other things. But it's been a lot of fun. We hit 12 years yesterday, so we made it. <laughs> well, good. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank we, you. We've same been, to you. We've been very... Very fortunate as well in our marriage. And uh, we also share the fact that each of our brides are breast cancer survivors, and this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So uh, obviously, congratulations to you and Emily, and I'm obviously very proud of my Linda for her battle and our, our best wishes to all women out there battling with that and families. And uh, you know, we're very fortunate the way that's worked out, certainly for our families and all the wonderful care they received uh, during that process. Uh, no doubt. My mom actually is a stage four That's breast right. cancer right now doing the treatments and things. She's doing fine, though, but it obviously affects pretty much everyone and every family one way or another. So our thoughts and prayers go out to those, all the survivors and those fighting it currently this, in October and every month. Obviously. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yet another example where we are, this is a, a, a happier note, where we are. Uh, well, for uh, you, maybe, not yeah, for me. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. We are Big East basketball fans, something else Ryan and I share in common. Big East basketball fans living in in the heart of ACC and SEC country. So That's right. That's I'm, been kind of now, fun. I'm a Xavier guy. You're a Villanova guy. Xavier might have won the Big East that one year, but Villanova won the whole championship, as you've let me know many times. So Yeah, I like to bring that next up. Year. Yeah, once, right. you do bring that up once in a while. That's, right. that's okay. Well, having <laughs> I won, would, too, if I were you. Having won two of the past three, uh, I, I think we may have a comeuppance over the next couple of years. I think everybody will be gunning for us. But nonetheless, it's been fun. Right. It's been fun. But we digress, don't we? Perhaps we should be that's talking right. about market volatility. What do you think? What, what's your summation after what we went through last week? Well, John, you know, as we talked about, the third quarter historically is a volatile quarter for stocks. It was the least volatile third quarter we've seen in decades. And October historically is one of the more volatile months. And sure enough, we went 74 trading days in a row without a 1% move either up or down. Last week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we had 1% moves, obviously down, down the Wednesday and Thursday, and then back up on Friday. So all of a sudden, just like that, you almost hit it and all the volatility comes in. So, it, um, you know, we were ready for it. And we were, we were due for it, I guess I should say, and hopefully we're ready for it too. But when it actually happens after three months of no volatility, it can be um, a pretty rough transition for a lot of people. Yeah. When you say we're ready for it, it made me immediately think of Mike Tyson when he said everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. That's right. And, uh, you know, I, I think that while people were expecting it, certainly we've been positioning for it. You never quite prepared, right, for the day it hits and really for the reasons. And sometimes it's hard to justify the response for example, 
we've known about trade tensions for months. Uh, we've known about higher interest rates for essentially a few years now. Uh, but I think the, the seminal event was not last week, but it was the week before. I think it was when uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell uh, said that the economic outlook was remarkably positive. And uh, as I mentioned last week on the, on the podcast, I think that was a very savvy move because in a single speech, he made the market's obsession switch from curve flattening to curve steepening. And I think it took a few days for investors to digest that. And then when you had, you know, the perfect storm, you think about <laughs> escalating tariff tensions and then, uh, you know, market interest rates that really uh, that weighed in on a quiet period for equities, right? Because companies right. couldn't say anything leading into corporate earnings on Friday. So that was uh, two powerful things that I think drove this. But certainly we strongly believe that the fundamentals are sufficient to withstand this recent bout. No, that's right. You know, the big question, you know, John, we've been talking about, and we actually discussed this week in our latest weekly market commentaries, is this normal? You mm-hmm. know, this is actually our third correction of at least 5% this year. Remember, most years you see 3 to 4 5% corrections. Most years you see 1 to 2 10% corrections. We've had one 10% correction earlier this year in February. We corrected right around 10.5%, give or take. Uh, so, you know, it is quite normal, even though it feels abnormal because we went so long without volatility. The one thing I like to point out here, though, you went to 1980. That's uh, half the year since 1980, 18 years, saw at least a 10% correction intra-year from peak to trough. 13 of those years actually finished in the green. The five that didn't all had a recession. So mm-hmm. it's a long way of saying you can have volatility, but if you're not in a recessionary environment, like you just said, John, the fundamentals are strong, all likelihood you're still going to finish green for the year as those fundamentals drive us higher. Right. The context of an uptrend is so important because past is prologue, right? 2017 right. was among the most docile years you and I have experienced in our investing career. Well, your, your investing career is a little longer than little mine. Longer, so for yeah. me, maybe you had the 60s. Mine but, started um, at the beginning exactly. of time. That's right. Uh, <laughs> as you like to point out also. <laughs> I get you back for That's that. Exactly but Villanova won all those championships. <laughs> But when you think about the docile period of 2017, and then we get punched in the mouth in February, then again in April, right? You have the docile period in the third quarter, then we get punched in the mouth last week. So I I just think that's important for investors to appreciate in the context of an uptrend. We are seeing very, very strong uh, uh, economic data. We're seeing, we're tracking for 3% GDP this year. We're in a low inflationary environment, which I'd like to highlight in a moment. Uh, We have very strong employment and profits are growing at 20% pace in 2018. So when you look at that, profits are a great lead indicator for further business investment. And you have the benefit of less regulation this year, immediate expensing provisions for U.S. corporations, increased capital investment. The lower taxes can help consumption as well. So uh, we think it's really important to focus on those fundamentals in the context of the most recent weakness. And I think that uh, you know, as investors appreciate some of the inflation data, for example, that we received, why don't we use that as an opportunity uh, to pivot over to inflation? Any comments there? Well, John, actually, if, if it's okay, I'm going to say one more comment on kind of last week, and then I'll, I'll let you uh, do inflation. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, the big question we're kind of saying is, last week a washout? Well, here's a few things to think about. Um, if you look at the bull bears on the AAII sentiment poll, that's the American Association of Individual Investors, 
Bulls dropped 15% last week. That's the largest drop in about a year. So you're starting to see some real negative. People are getting worried, rightfully so. A 5% drop you know, in two days like we saw last year. That'll happen. Also, the CNN Fear and Greed Index, which is a proprietary index that CNN has, nonetheless, it recently went to 5 out of a 100-point scale. That's the lowest that they've had. we've had. That's lower than in 2016. So there are, and then put to call ratios are spiking higher, a lot of fear. So, John, there, this doesn't mean we bottomed on Friday. Right. But we are starting to see some very low expectations, maybe a little more weakness, really get the fear up there. But those are some baby steps in the right direction to forming some type of a potential October low. And let's not forget, as Jeff Bookbinder mentions many times, October is known for a lot of things. Really, it's known for kind of that bear killer month. So we've had this pullback the first half of the month. Right. Maybe a little more weakness potentially, but October is known for that. So anything to add there or you can take Ab- away it on inflation? Absolutely. And I think the, you know, the eponymous name of this Market Signals podcast, when we're looking at Market Signals, looking at uh, 20-day lows, appears yes. to be washed out. Percentage of companies above their 50-day moving average. That's right. That hit 11%. Only 11% of companies were above their 50-day moving average as of Thursday, which is the lowest we've scraping seen. Scraping bottom earlier of the barrel. This year. Exactly. exactly. Historically so low. Forward 12-month returns tend to be good there. And then we have the benefit we can't ignore. Uh, midterm election years typically see the best stretch on the work you've done, and we've talked about this on the past couple right. of podcasts, that uh, the fourth quarter of a midterm year the first quarter of the ensuing calendar year and the second quarter of the ensuing calendar year tends to be uh, really the best three quarters of the four-year presidential election cycle. No, that's exactly correct. I've kind of said it like this. You know, one of the biggest uh, positive for the bulls is really the calendar. The calendar, the next several quarters, historically is rather strong. So again, doesn't mean you can't have volatility, doesn't mean you can't have a sell-off, but the odds of a major sell-off over the next couple of quarters, history would say that's not quite the case. Then we'll get into the fundamentals and things uh, that still back this bull market, which maybe, John, let's take a look at inflation. We had some inflation you know, data last week. Before we get there, I've oh, got another we just point. Keep going back we and forth. Yeah, we just, right. you know, another, a lot of good another stuff idea popped into my head. If you think about uh, fund flows, yes. think mm-hmm. about where we've been the past decade. Money has been flowing into bonds. If market interest rates are heading higher, at some point, investors are going to say, well, maybe I should diversify a little more back into equities when you look at fund flows over the course of a decade. So, you know, you may have that great rotation from bonds back into equities uh, in the in the following months also. So that's something we'll be looking forward to and we'll be make sure we emphasize that in our 2019 market outlook. Great point there. Nothing to add there. I totally agree with you. Absolutely. So inflation, John, are we ready for it? You know, I... I don't know if market sentiment is ready for it. I think market sentiment is trying to prepare for it. Uh, you know, the firm pays you and I to worry about it. Uh, but I'm, I'm sleeping pretty well. How about you? Let's see here. Three kids Well, and you have wife. three screaming kids. My kids are older. I have so. a new dog who's kind of crazy. <laughs> we can right. talk about him on a different podcast. But, yeah, I'm, I'm sleeping pretty good all I'm all. sleeping yeah. pretty well. Yeah. Not worried too much about inflation right. because uh, you can have spike in oil prices, for example, and that could lead to temporary spike in pricing pressures. But to really have a sustainable path of uh, pricing uh, threats, you need to have the participation of wages. And, and we've seen a variety of data over the past really 10 business days mm-hmm. when you think about wage growth on a year-over-year basis up 2.8%. Historically, wages, as we've discussed on past calls, uh, have to be 4 4.5% on a year-over-year basis before the Fed gets scared and really slams on the brake. Uh, we've seen uh, less-than-feared data on wholesale prices. We've seen less-than-feared data on, on consumer prices and then on, on import data as well. Even with what we've seen with the dollar, it uh, doesn't appear... Uh, 
threatening yet by any stretch. So from an inflationary standpoint, I just want to caution all our investors, be prepared for temporary spikes, but you can't have that sustainable threat without the participation of wages, and we just don't see that yet. No, you're right, John. You know, Speaking more about the 4% year-over-year wage growth, you go back in time, the last three recessions all saw 4% wage growth anywhere from three to nine months ahead of that ultimate recession. So again, like you said, wage growth under 3% now. So that's just one indicator we like to look at. But overall, inflation is something we talk about. Yes, it's slowly increasing, but it's not anywhere near troublesome. Uh, levels that we've seen in history. So, John, maybe let's let's shift gears for a second then. What drives long-term stock gains? Long-term stock gains, in my opinion, is always earnings and interest rates. I would uh, I would second that very much. So, with that, we've kind of talked interest rates a little bit. Let's, th- let's focus on earnings here. It is third quarter earnings season. Kicked off last week with the financials. Overall, we're looking at our potentially, our th- according to FactSet data, the third consecutive quarter of 20% year-over-year earnings growth. Um, you know, we're very positive, obviously. There's 11 S&P 500 sectors. All are expected to have positive earnings growth once again. So I like to say this before. You talk about market breadth in terms of technicals. Well, market breadth in terms of earnings, all 11 are expected to have positive earnings growth. So if earnings drive long-term gains, which we think they do, 20% earnings growth this year, very likely 20% for the year. Expected about 10% next year. All in all, earnings, earnings still look positive to drive this bull market. I mean, what did I miss? What do you think? No, I think you're right on because um – you have to factor in a couple of things. Be mindful, again, what I talked about earlier about all the fund flows largely going into bond funds over the, the course of the past decade. If you have rising market interest rates, bond yields rise, prices decline, you may see the shift, if you will, the great rotation. Um, part of what drove that not only was the Fed artificially suppressing the short end of the curve over the past decade, but part of what drew that was uh, – what we saw in 14, 15, and 16, we saw essentially flat earnings uh, for the S&P 500 for three consecutive years. Uh, in 2017, exactly. we saw about a 10% rise. This year, we're on print for a 20% gain. You know, at some point, that's going to catch investors' attention, and uh, you may see more of a flow there. And then even looking into next year, um, we'll probably see about 10% earnings growth again next year when you when you factor in uh, the benefits of the 2017 uh, Tax Cut and Jobs Act and somehow that's flowing through. But it's not just the tax cuts. I think that's really important to keep in mind. And our friend Jeff Bookbinder's done an excellent job there as well. Because if you look at, you know, 9 or 10% margins, when you look at, you know, 8% or 9% sales growth, you know, that really that really suggests it's it's more than just the tax cut and you're you're seeing improved demand and demand will drive profitability profitability will drive further business investment and that is a very it's a uh, nice circle. It's a nice cycle, exactly. Yeah. We've had too many uh, vicious cycles over our investing career and this really is a virtuous cycle when you think about profits leading to to further investment. Yeah, you know, you mentioned a couple things there. When you talk about what's really driving the earnings though, I've got the estimates here. Technologies has estimated the gain about 24% year-over-year. Financials, nearly 40% year-over-year. What are the two largest components of the S&P 500? Financials and tech. Obviously, tech has definitely started to show a little weakness last week with the crack. It's done very, very well. Earnings have justified a lot of that move. But, you know, what do you think about value and growth here? If, if um, you know, if the strong growth comes from uh, financials, that should potentially help value. What, what do you think, John? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that opportunity because, you know, the – 
one thing that we learned last week was that the momentum trade and the growth emphasis may right. be cracking, right? Exactly. Because uh, the I earnings think, are still good, but that yeah. doesn't mean you can't have a well-deserved pullback. Never mm-hmm. been an advocate of buying, you know, a stock or a sector purely because it keeps going up. You know, you like to have a little that's more right. justification for that. But it appears that's where the momentum factor in investing has been going uh, these past. I'll say all year. Uh, And uh, the fact that we're starting to see a bid for some of the beneficiaries of fiscal policy, reduced regulation and increased government spending. People don't really buy into the the energy thing, but energy has been delivering 100 percent earnings growth. But people are still 92 percent according to this data right here. People are still questioning the the validity of oil prices. And we still think oil is, you know, in that 75 type range over the course of the next 12 months. So that would maintain our market weighting on the group. But when you look at some of the overweights, whether it be industrials growing uh, profitability, financials, I think that bodes very, very well for for the value space. And particularly, if we've had 20% earnings growth this year in 2018, have 10% next year after 10% in 17, you know, we are not going to be placing our investment emphasis on market PE or price to earnings ratio expansion going forward. You know, you're nine nine or 10 of the cycle. You know, it's hard to keep blowing out PEs. Uh, We really think the driver will be earnings and income compounded annually. So if you have good earnings growth in two of the major sectors like financials and industrials and to some degree energy participating, but then you have that income opportunity on top of that, we think that again will draw part of the flow coming from the great rotation from bonds in twenty eight late twenty eighteen and through twenty nineteen. I think that's gonna be uh, very powerful and positive tailwinds for the value space. John, it sounds to me like you've been thinking about our 2019 outlook. Did you just give us a little preview of it there? Absolutely, absolutely. We're, we're, we're working hard on it as we speak. Hope for an early December release. And uh, what we'll really be addressing there will be the duration and the magnitude of the cycle right. and how investors should be positioning uh, portfolios accordingly. And I do want to emphasize that we're already at work. We've got our, our talented financial analysts working and market analysts working very hard on our team, but we're also partnering very effectively with our marketing and creative design team. So once again, it should be quite a spectacle for the 2019 market outlook. No, exactly. It should be a lot of fun when that day comes. I guess we're shooting for early December. Hopefully, that's uh, right. Hopefully, they don't um, pin us on that, but that's what we're shooting for. So that's when, when it should come out. Maybe one final word from me, John, about earnings, just to wrap it up. Looking for 10% earnings growth next year, potentially. If you go back to 1990, every single year that had at least 10% year-over-year S&P 500 earnings finished higher on a total return basis. Now, believe me, you can have a 2011, which was barely higher on a total return basis with earnings up significantly, but still the long-term drivers of stock gains, like you said, are interest rates and earnings. Interest rates we still think are not too, you know, not going to spiral out of control higher here. Those strong earnings should continue to keep, like you said, as bull markets getting up there in age, nine, 10 years, obviously, on the cycle of the economic growth and the bull market. But the 10% earnings growth, at least next year, can be a major positive. You know, maybe, John, you didn't see this one coming, but emerging markets are actually supposed to have, I believe, about 15% earnings growth next year. What do you think about emerging markets in 2019? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still remaining favorable for the group. You know, the, the group got hit hard this year yeah. on a combination of tariff fears, a combination of uh, the perception of their inability to deal with China growing from 10% to 6%. I dispute that. I think they've done a great job adapting and embracing uh, a global services-driven model as opposed to uh, what had been uh, 
the economic model for most emerging nations, which mm-hmm. was, you know, export-driven manufacturing juggernauts. So I think they've done a good job embracing globalization of services. I think the dollar has certainly weighed on them. You know, that brings us back to Jerome Powell. Uh, I said Jerome Powell was very market savvy in his commentary two weeks ago, switching the market fear from uh, flattening on the curve to steepening of the curve. But I think Jerome Powell is also very much aware that whether it is part of his official mandate or not, it it clearly is on his screen, and that's the value of the dollar. And uh, the dollar cannot get too strong because there's uh, $4 trillion in dollar-denominated emerging market debt. And with the emerging nations uh, dealing with 6% growth from China, uh, they have to service interest payments on that debt. So he doesn't want our dollar to get too strong, their currencies to get too weak, that they'd be in a, in a, unable to service that debt. But another thing he has to keep in mind is food costs. Exactly. You know, in, in the West, food represents maybe 10% of our consumer pricing measures. In the East, it represents a third. He can't put emerging central bankers in a position where they're jacking up rates to support their currency so their people can eat. You know, so we have to be very, very mindful there. And we have to be mindful of capital flows as well. Um, uh, in a search for yield over the past decade, the, the emerging space has attracted a lot of foreign investment, and we can't have this huge sucking sound coming out of the emerging space. So one of the reasons why we think, even though the Fed is projecting three hikes next, next year, uh, we're, we're leaning towards two next year because we don't know if the market fully appreciates, A, the transition from balance sheet runoff and the impact that's going to have on market interest rates and ultimately the emerging space, uh, as well as uh, the dollar capital flows and interest payments from the emerging space. So they're down maybe 15% year to date with 15% earnings growth over the course of the next 12 months. You can put that in Excel sheet in any way you can make that look good. So no. we're, we're still sticking to the fundamentals there. That's right. As we discussed a couple of weeks ago when the emerging markets had the big initial drop lower you look back at history, you know, 15, 20% corrections in emerging markets actually are quite normal. The U.S. is a little more rare, but obviously just more volatile by nature. But the look at P.E. ratios, as Jeff Bookbinder pointed out recently, emerging markets are near historically cheap levels going back to 1990. So, you know, P.E. multiples are usually lower in emerging markets because they're a little risky. They are riskier. Uh, at the same time, if you like something that's cheap, emerging markets are cheap and they have some earnings growth coming in here. And oddly enough, to close... Um if you think about the political situation in the West and the political situation in the East, I think it can be argued that leaders in the East have a firmer hold on their governments than in the West. So that also could bode well for consistency. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and obviously politics play a big part in all of this. And as we get closer to midterms, we're going to start talking a lot more about midterms. So, John, I had a lot of fun uh, today, this week. I appreciate the opportunity today. I'll let you take us home. Thanks. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate everything. Yeah, it was a lot of fun talking about AR shared interests and our, right. our, our many things we have in common, uh, addressing market volatility for everybody. Again, inflation is the big deal, and we don't see the threat from inflation just yet without the participation of wages. And then finally, earnings and interest rates and how that can affect not only domestic but emerging markets as well. Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. 
Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.